Welcome to the Shut Up Show. This is the Brave Solopreneurs Podcast helping you shut up and make shit happen. Inside every episode, you'll hear raw and uncensored conversations with amazing entrepreneurs and thought leaders who bring their best work every day despite being scared shitless. You'll gain mindset strategies on how to brave through your fears, tactical advice to help you define your shut up moment, and impact-driven tips inspiring you to live and work on your own terms. And now, your hosts and co-shut-uppers of making shit happen, Bernie Shung and Phil Gerbyshack. Woo! We got another show for you today. Shut up show number 50 million. We're here today with Steve Farber. Steve has assured us that he will give us at least one oh shit moment and probably a couple of shut up moments. Steve has been a friend of mine since uh, the early 1800s or at least 2005, something like that. Uh, Steve is the author of Radical Leap, Radical Edge, Greater Than Yourself, and now the best book of all time, Radical Leap Re-Energized, which I absolutely love. Steve is an extreme leader and teaches people extreme leadership. And Steve's, my favorite quote of Steve's, and I could wax on poetic for years, is how I run my life and my business. And that's do what you love and the service of those who love what you do. So. With that, Bernie, do you want to add anything or you want to throw it over to Farber? Yeah, we'll throw it over to him. I just want to add that that has now become a mantra that I use in my business as well as a coach because Phil taught me that the other year. And he kept talking about some dude named Steve Farber. I'm having a Farber moment. Oh, here's a Farber quote. I'm like, Farber, Farber, Farber. Who the heck is this Farber? Let's get him on the Shut Up Show. So, Steve, welcome. Welcome to the Shut Up Show. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I would, I would like to hear Phil wax for a while. He said he would wax. Wax on. Wax off. <laughs> Poetically. Uh, Actually, on. I take that back. I take that back. I don't, I don't want to hear Phil wax. All right. Uh, <laughs> no, th th thanks very much for having me, guys. Um, yeah, Phil and I met through the uh, proverbial blogosphere. You know, The Radical Leap came out um, in April of 2004, and we met shortly, shortly after that, and uh, just it's been a real pleasure watching, uh, watching your your career grow and your expertise become more widely recognized by a lot of people. It's really cool. Bernie and I are just, uh, you know, we've met briefly before. We're just uh, spending some time together for the first time right now. So this is a historic moment, perhaps. We're homies now. We're homies for life. Homies for life. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, have you guys noticed that uh, there's a new there's a new etiquette in these video these video conferencing sorts of things like. Google Hangouts that we're using here, or Skype, or anything like that. You have to develop the the uh, uh, the ability to look at the camera instead of looking at the person, right? Because right now, what I want to do is look at you guys, which means that everybody else would look like this. I'd be talking like this, and and that looks it's very comfortable for me, but it looks really stupid for people watching. So I'm doing my best to keep, keep focused this way. You know how you solve that problem, Steve? You do what I do. I look at myself the whole entire show every yeah. week. Yeah, you look marvelous problem. today, Bernie. Thank you. You know, it all depends on what you have to look at, I guess. Uh, you know, so that's more comfortable for, for you than it is for me. But anyway, um, so what, the, what are we going to talk about? Oh, Farber. I don't I even know it anymore. I'm like, I'm done. I'm spent. <laughs> Steve, Steve no. the show's yours. Take it over, Steve. No, the show's so yours. Steve, so, okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in here. So Steve, you work for Tom Peters Company, I which did. is pretty freaking cool. For those who haven't, who are maybe too young to know who Tom Peters is, he wrote the first ever management book, if you ask me, in Search of Excellence, and you got to work with him, and you got to work with some really cool stuff, and then you did your own thing. Yeah. So you know, for Tom Peters. Um, you know, he is, in my estimation, the management guru's management guru. I mean, Peter Drucker obviously came before before Tom and is and, and had a huge, just ginormous influence in his lifetime. Uh, Tom's original claim to fame was In Search of Excellence, which came out in the 80s. And what I've noticed is that for people less, I'm going to say younger than, I don't know, 35 years old, really many folks haven't heard of Tom, which is a real shame. So if this is the first time you're hearing his name, you really need to go check him out. TomPeters.com is where he blogs, and his blogs are his blog posts are, are fantastic, and it's it's just a great thing. He's also um, very active on Twitter, uh, and I think it's at Tom Peters. I don't know yeah. if there's an underscore. I don't know if there's an underscore in there somewhere or not. I could I could check. We'll make um, sure. but, yeah, but uh, but anyway, that was um, you know I was vice president of his company for six and a half years, and I left there in. In November of the year 2000, so it was a long time ago already. So it's kind of hard to imagine. And I went out. I went out on my own. And what had happened was, you know, so my my responsibility at the company was not only you know conducting client engagements as a facilitator, coach, trainer, leadership guy, and all that, but also you know as an officer of the company, it was my job to hire and train our other consultants and trainers and facilitators and I loved it. I loved the company. I loved the people that I work with. It was uh it was really a, a, a tremendous experience on every level. Not that they you know we weren't without our challenges of course, but what started to happen for me and I think your your viewers uh particularly you, I know many uh many folks that tune into the show are entrepreneurs. Um I've always been an entrepreneur in in, in my blood basically, I guess, if there is such a thing. And uh, I got to the point where I really wanted to explore my own voice, and I wanted to, I wanted to speak more. I wanted to do keynotes and, and that kind of a thing, because what I was doing at the time were longer engagements. You know, it could be three, four-day workshops over, you know, a period of time with the company that would, you know, some projects would last for several years. And I really wanted to, to explore my capability as a keynote speaker, and I wanted to write. And we came to a mutual decision, the other officers of the company and myself, that, that for me, the best way for me to pursue what I wanted to pursue was for me to go out on my own. I originally tried to do it there, but it didn't fit the business model because if I got booked for a speech on a Wednesday, that would take me off the calendar for an entire week for our clients. So I gave the company uh, six months notice and, and transitioned out and, and went out you know, on my own, which I... I had done before. It wasn't the first time I'd been on my own, but overnight, I mean, quite literally overnight, I was now an entrepreneur again and, and, you know, making my, my living from, you know, being out on the speaking circuit and, and, and spending more time writing and collecting my thoughts and, and trying to determine, really get clearer on my point of view on leadership and organizational life and business and success and all of that. And what it what it looked like, you know, through my own personal lens. Uh, so that was what you guys would call a shut up moment. What I would call an OSM, which is spelled capital O, capital S, exclamation point, capital M, and stands for, as you've mentioned, the oh shit moment. And 
It wasn't my first oh shit moment in my life, but it was a big one, leaving the company that I loved in order to go out on my own. Cool. So, so you did that, and then you kind of, uh, you birthed these books. And I know the Radical Leap was hugely successful, Radical Edge, a little less so, but talk about when you then decided to do this third book, Steve, because we talked about this a while ago. Talk, talk us through that process, because I yeah. think sometimes when we've already been successful, we rest on that, and you did not. You went in a totally different direction. You didn't write at all the same book. It's There's no connection, except there's a big connection, right, between the books. Yeah, <laughs> right. So that, that pretty much covers all the bases, Phil. There's no connection, except there's a big connection. <laughs> no, but you're... That's all I got. <laughs> no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, the uh, here, Here's the process, and, and I think... The, the, the point is that whatever it is that you're trying to do, whether you're writing a book or running a business or being a consultant or whatever it is, I think there are probably parallels in this, parallels in my own story. So the Radical Leap was my first effort, and it, um, it took me several years to write it. It took, uh, after it was fully written, it took 24 hours to sell it to a publisher, which was very gratifying. And I got really lucky. My publisher was really behind the book, and they, they put a lot of effort into its launch, and, and we got covered by Fast Company magazine, and, and it started to get some traction right away. And at the same time, it was terrifying. Because writing a book is, is um, it's a very internal kind of a process, right? I mean, you're sitting there, and you're, the, the, the dialogue is, is between you and yourself. And it's not like giving a speech where you get input from an audience in terms of they react, they don't react, whatever. You know, I, I write a paragraph and it's like, I think that was a damn good paragraph. I could be wrong about that. <laughs> so, so when you put it out there for the world to take a look at, um, it's, it's terrifying. And, and I got a lot of good feedback right away, which was, which was gratifying. Now, the second book came along a couple years later, The Radical Edge. And it is not a, so I, I want to be clear about something. It was not a rehash of the first book. I mean, the Radical Edge covers very, it's very closely related, but covers very different stuff. What happened was, and there's a lot of theories behind this. For one thing, my publisher, who's no longer in business, by the way, um, but at the time, they, they made a classic business mistake, and I did too. The mistake that I made was I assumed that my business partner, in this case my publisher, would um, would have some intelligence, <laughs> and 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 that they would, given the success of the radical leap, that they would put the same kind of resources and attention into the radical edge. The mistake that I made was I got complacent. I just figured they would do that. The mistake they made was they assumed that because the radical leap did so well, all we got to do is throw another book out there, and it's like the tide will carry it along. It doesn't work like that. It didn't work like that back in in 2005 or 2006 when that one came out, and in Certainly doesn't work that way now in the publishing industry, but nothing, there was no juice behind it. So nothing really happened with it. I mean, it's done okay, but whereas the Radical Leap sold initially 100,000 copies, the Radical Edge sold maybe 20,000 copies, and, and, and the fact that it was called the Radical Edge made it sound to some people that it might have been a rehash of the first book. The third book, which you were talking about, is, uh, is Greater Than Yourself, and, and I consider it to be um, 
a specific application of what I call extreme leadership. So extreme leadership is love, energy, audacity, and proof. That's what the extreme leader does. Extreme leadership is about stepping up to change your piece of the world for the better. And LEAP is the framework. The extreme leader cultivates love, generates energy, inspires audacity, and provides proof. Now, if you think of that as a framework, or you think of it as, as, or, as an operating system, maybe, there are thousands of applications of it. Greater than yourself is an application of LEAP. And, and specifically, what, it, what it's about is it's kind of like mentoring on steroids. And that is that the, the greatest leaders that I've seen in my career are the people that never focus the attention on their own greatness. Instead, they focus their efforts on making other people greater than themselves. So it creates this interesting paradox that the greatest leaders become the greatest by making others greater than themselves. So greater than yourself is really an exploration of that specific, uh, specific application. And then the Radical Leap Re-Energized, I just took the first two books, I stuck them together in one volume, and you know, we got part one, and part one is the Radical Leap, part two is the Radical Edge. And we'll be doing some other things with that body of work over the next couple of years. Like, for example, um, I don't think I've publicly uh, talked about this before, but we're planning on doing uh, a 10th anniversary edition of the Radical Leap next year because it's, uh, it's 10 years already. Amazing. Can't believe it. Um, so there was something that you said a couple of minutes ago, Phil, which uh, struck a chord in me. Uh, when when you said that the third book, I decided not to rest on my laurels and 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 do you know do something different. Um, that's really more where I am right now, honestly, because I've got this is what I'm grappling with, and maybe you guys can help me with this. Um, I've got this body of work now that's con that's that's contained in these three books. And at the same time, you know, I've got a good audience and, and you, know, uh, you know, pretty good exposure, and it's made a, a, a big difference for a lot of people, I'm, I'm gratified to say. But I also believe that there's a much wider audience for it than, than I've been able to find so far. So now I'm, I'm constantly grappling with this, this idea of where do I put my attention? Is it on, on continuing to build up and broadcast this existing body of work, or is it, or is it continuing to add to it with with new books and and so forth and that's that's really it's a major OSM because it's uh, you know there, there are a lot of a lot of implications to those to those different decisions what do you guys think I actually have sort of a roundabout answer if you don't mind Phil um, I have a quick story to share and I think this might lend a different lens to this, this uh, conundrum that you have so yesterday on LinkedIn I got an email message from somebody who I'm not already connected to I'm not gonna say his name because you both know him he's a very very well known international speaker slash author probably you know a billionaire if I'm not mistaken he said no I'm not gonna say yes or no so let's just say his name is John that's all I'm gonna say and I'm leaving it at that okay so so John sends me this message and you can tell it's kind of copy and pasted. It said, hi, Bernie, and then the copy and paste kind of looked really contrived. And this is a leadership guy, by the way, who, who sells programs and certifications and whatnot. And the, the body of the email basically said, um, I want to make an introduction. I looked at your profile, and I think you'd be a perfect candidate for my certification program. I would love for you to find out more about it. And if you're interested, I'll put you in touch with somebody on my team who can help you. 
Right. Okay. So, so, so Steve, you don't know this about me, but uh, many, many years ago, I'm 36 now, but many, many years ago when I was in my corporate sales job, I used to believe that definition was defined as a guy who looks like you. And I, and I don't mean that to be insulting at all. He was a tall guy with gray hair and he wore a navy blue suit. I thought that was success and I thought I had to look and sound like that. So this guy sends me this email. I've heard of his name before, and you know, my immediate reaction goes to the old definition of success. And I thought, holy crap, this guy is contacting you, Bernie. And then when I read the email, I thought, holy crap, he's spamming you, Bernie. <laughs> but, but here was my shut up moment. My shut up moment was, this is all wrong. You're spamming me, dude. And if you're a leadership guy, and if you truly understand connecting with people, and I also had a Farber moment too, so, you know, ironically enough, it was the whole thing about you got to do what you love. You got to have fun doing it and you have to, you know, love doing it with who you're doing it with. And this person basically spammed me. So to me, it said, why would I want to be in your certification program? Number one, you don't understand me. You don't know anything about me. And what you just said before, Steve, he made it all about himself. Nowhere in there did anything resonate with me. Hmm. So I could have done two things. One, I could have just archived it or I could respond. So I responded and I taught him a good lesson, I think. I basically said, and Phil saw this on Facebook, I basically replied to him and said, number one, what made you decide I was a perfect candidate for your program? I want to know. Please provide me feedback. And when you do, I want it to be you, not your team member. I'm here to make connections. I'm not here to be sold. Boom. Right. <laughs> you know, so, so to kind of bring this back full circle, this guy, I believe, is trying to get to another target market that he may have not gotten to before. Unfortunately for him, I'm very well, you know, versed in social media and I also mm -hmm. understand leadership and I also heard of him. Now he's leaving a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to his reputation. And now I think about you, you know, Steve, positioning yourself in front of people as well. Mm -hmm. Are you going to do it the way this guy did? Absolutely not. But I think your approach is going to be whether you continue to work within your target market or find a new one. I think for you, the beauty is bringing in your small army of people, bringing in mm -hmm. your true fans, people like right. Phil and me, being on shows like this and talking to people who may have not ever heard of you before. And I can guarantee you probably over 90% of the people listening to this have not heard of you before, but that doesn't mean you're not successful and it doesn't mean maybe, don't maybe, make an impact. Maybe 70%. <laughs> Okay. I'm to make you feel like, come on, Bernie. Okay, to make you feel a little bit better, maybe seventy percent. But yeah. but then, yeah. but you know, I mean, but it has nothing to do with you not doing the right thing or you not yeah. reaching the right people. It's this world is huge. It's huge. There's so many people left to touch. But you know, bottom line, the whole point I'm trying to make here in my long-winded story is whatever you decide to do, Steve, I would say bring in people in your small army, people like me and Phil, and we'll automatically promote what you do because we already love what you do and we already apply what you do. And I think the audience will find its way to you as a result of that. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that, Bernie. I think it's it, it creates a really interesting kind of a dilemma because I, I can relate to the uh, – the thinking behind the LinkedIn message that you got, um, you know, where that comes from, from a, from a kind of traditional marketing perspective. And, you know, and, and, you know, Phil will, will attest to this. I think, you know, one of the, um, the challenges that I have in growing my business, because I also, you know, offer certification on the extreme leadership workshop and I'm doing public events. We did the extreme leadership summit. We've got another one coming up in April, 2014, We've got our Extreme Leadership Intensive coming up in J July 18th and 19th 
in Des Moines. These are new ventures for me, public events. Certification is relatively new. It's only been around for a couple of years, like 50 people have been certified in it. And what it requires, of course, is, is marketing to a broader audience, right? So for the first time over the last couple of years, it's the first time that I've ever really marketed to my list. And, and the, the dilemma that I always have is, you know, market, there's, there's nothing, I mean, marketing is, is critically important, right? And, and at the same time, I always have kind of this personal dilemma about, you know, keeping it personal, but, but going broader based. And so, so to me, what I've been learning kind of over and over again is that, is that when I, when something is written with my name on it, right? Not on behalf of me by somebody on my team, but when something is, when my name follows it, I have to have written it. That's that's where where I draw the line. So you know there are there are people that write books that use ghostwriters, and there's nothing wrong with that. I I don't. I write all of my own stuff, and and I need to. I think I need to continue to do that as I as my marketing gets gets bigger and broader. And at the same time, I've got to get over the the um, what I've this kind of stigma that I have about about marketing. I mean, you know, I've I've got to sell this stuff, right? But not in the not in a cheesy way, not in the in the traditional way, not in a spammy sort of a way, but but it's still got to be done on a broader basis. And I think any entrepreneur is going to be faced with with their version of that dilemma, right? I mean, it's it's especially if you're a solopreneur, it's it's just you, it's your work, it's 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 your thing, and you want to get it to a broader message. And you know, how do you keep your voice? How do you maintain your authenticity? And at the same time, you know, reach a wider and wider audience. I think that's the constant uh, dance or dilemma that, uh, that 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 I'm going through right now. Absolutely. You know, we had a guest on here, AJ Leon, and he said connection is not scalable. And he said some of the most beautiful things in the world are not scalable. So that that perfectly reminds me of that quote, what you just said right there, Steve. Yeah, but yet the business has to be. Right. So if a business has to be scalable, but connection is not, then connection, it would follow, is not the key to a scalable business. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> to a scalable business, I think. You're right. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you have tapped out the connections that you have. And well, I think that's the yeah, difference. Not by a long shot. Yeah. Right. And so, so for instance, you know. I, I'll just be, you know, personal here. I mean, obviously, I'm a big Farber fan, and I bought, I bought your books, um, and and so perhaps that's creating a, a more intermediate product. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so when you think about the connection, um, you want the connection to go deeper because the connection will get deeper, and then as you did, you know, in working, uh, asking me to work with you to promote your stuff, that does help that. Right. right, and so so offering because um, because really it's a big leap from fourteen ninety five for a book to fourteen hundred ninety five dollars for a workshop or sure. fourteen thousand nine hundred and fifty dollars for a certification. Right, right. So that so the key is to to I call it a revenue escalator. The next step it should be between one hundred and three hundred dollars, mm -hmm. so that the folks who bought your book can comfortably move to that next piece. Right. Because yeah, uh, and so it's it's the it's the proverbial funnel, right? I mean, yeah. there's there there have there have to be different offerings at different price levels and all that. And yeah, I appreciate that. And that's 
that's uh, those are the things that we're that we're working on. Um, but from a you know from a connection standpoint, you know the the way that I work. I mean, for for people that have not read my books, um, what I what I want you to know is that I write. I write in the the genre that's come to be known as the business parable, right? So I write novels, basically, business novels. But I think what makes mine a little bit different is that I write the I'm the narrator of of my story. So so everything that I write is written in first person. It's written in my own voice, and it's the story. You know, it's a, it's a mixture of it's mostly fiction, but you know, some nonfiction in there, and yet, of course, it's all used as a delivery system as it were, to teach these ideas of extreme leadership. But I'm the narrator, and that's true through all three books. And, and when I write, it, even though I'm telling a, a, a fictional story, my voice is real, right? So I, I do write in my own voice. And this is something that's always been very important to me. When I speak, I speak in my own voice. Granted, louder volume and bigger gestures, because it's a, you know, because I'm speaking to an audience, but, but I don't put on a persona. When I speak, it's it's this. This is what you get, and this is what you what you get when I write. And and my market, the marketing side of that, I think is it's about keeping that consistent. So even when I'm broadcasting, and even when other people are writing on my behalf, there is a voice, and there's a tone, and there's there's something there that has to be consistent. And again, not for the purpose of of just you know, telling my story and talking about me. I think this is true for for everybody. I think we all need to find. Uh, you know, to find our own voice, our own unique voice, and then the question becomes: How do I, how do I uh, uh, infuse all of my work with my voice? So, how would? And this isn't a question for you, Phil, and you, Bernie. This is a question for for all of you who are who are watching this show. How do you do that in your business? How do you bring your voice into your business, into your relationships? Into your product offerings, into the way that you take care of your clients, et cetera. I think that's that's a fundamental question. And given what Bernie said a few minutes ago about you know connection is that is that rare thing, that perhaps is the I'm thinking out loud here. Maybe that's the scalable element of personal connection is giving more and more people a sense of who you really are, even though you may not literally connect with them one on one. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, Steve. And that, that's a great point for all of our entrepreneurs and small business owners that are watching this. The key is to, if it, to find your voice, to define that voice, and then to share that amongst those that work with you so that that can then scale. So that even though the connection on a personal level is with maybe an employee, the real connection then is with the voice and the values of the organization. Mm -hmm. Right. That that's a great point, Steve. And that's a really good way to kind of bring this a little bit to a close here um, as as we wrap up. Um, but Steve, we got to know, man. Right now, what's your OSM? What's your shut up moment? What what's keeping you up at night? Uh, it's this new phase of my business uh, that we've been that we've been talking about here. So you know, my business model for many years has been very simple since I left the Tom Peters company. You kind of bring it back full circle to the beginning of our conversation. When I left the company and went out on my own, I did two things. I, I would speak and I would ultimately write. So my whole revenue model uh, was was that, was speaking fees and, and royalties and advances from books. 
um, which is fine, but it's not particularly smart. And um, it's also, you know, I, I, I'm passionate about my work, and and I want to spread it to as many people as possible. So, scaling the business became uh, a, you know, a, a real strategic priority on a lot of different levels. So that meant it still means going into areas that I, I'm either very new in or haven't gone into before. So every time I, I put on um, one public event, the Extreme Leadership Summit, which was August of last year in San Diego, was tremendous success. It was also a big investment for my part, um, but it was a great way to begin to build a brand. But it was, I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, people described it as a transformational experience, and it certainly was for me as well. I'm doing our next public event, which is a smaller scale and a you know, lower ticket item, uh, the Extreme Leadership Intensive in Des Moines, which is a day and a half of helping people to really apply the principles of extreme leadership to their to their business. Well, this is a whole different animal, man. I mean, putting on a public event and and inviting people to come and watching the attendance numbers and putting the curriculum together so it all fits just right is uh, is is incredibly thrilling and exciting. And it's, and it's terrifying at the same time. So then we've got our next big event, um, the next Extreme Leadership Summit, is going to be April 2014 in Chicago. And all the planning and all that is going on, is going on right now. And again, it's the same kind of thing. It's, it's scary, it's thrilling, it's exhilarating all at the same time. That's, that's the, the nature of the OSM. Uh, and on top of all that, I'm also um, beginning to think about what the next what the next book might be. Uh, and that's, that's always a huge challenge because, again, because of the way that I write, it's, it's, the con it's, it's like writing two books. There's the content side that has to be really strong and really valuable and really transformational for people. And then there's the story side, right? It's the, it's the arc of the story, and, and, and that's, that's a, it's just like a whole different part of the brain. So I'm starting to, starting to noodle with that, and that's always, again, thrilling and terrifying at the same time. So that's what I got going on. That is freaking awesome. So, so I want to close with the the words you gave me, Steve, when you told me to how I could be more successful. And those were three little words. And I'm not going to do them in in my fun voice. I'm just going to say them because they're important. People need to hear them, and they're real easy. Whenever whatever your business is, whatever you do, it doesn't matter. You need to focus on three things. Three words: being more you. So, for the entrepreneurs out there watching. Just focus on being more you. You don't have to be Steve Farber, Phil Gerbyshack, or Bernie Shaw. You just have to be the best you. Shut up and be more you. So thanks, Steve, for being here, man. Nicely said. I appreciate it. Hey, Bernie, it was great, uh, great spending some time with you as well. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Shut Up Show. And remember, if you don't want to miss a single episode, simply go to our website at theshutupshow.com and subscribe to our newsletter. Until next time, folks, shut up and make shit happen.